Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Yellow Jackets Hive. I am Media Melanie here with. And I'm Emily. And today we are here to cover season two, episode one of Yellow Jackets, which is called Friends, Romans, Countrymen. Yes. Um, we did have a our first episode of The Hive After Dark on Sunday night, which was super fun. We did a live stream. We had lots of fans tuned in in the comments, uh, chiming in along with us. And we'll be back again every Sunday, minus the hiatus week, to do that. So we hope you buzz on in. Be sure to connect with us on our social media channels at yellowjacketshive.com. And with that, let us read the description of Friends, Romans, Countrymen. Okay. So two months into winter, the survivors cope with falling rations, low morale, and their latest disastrous attempt to freeze a teammate out of the game. Shauna explores the secondary market for Yellow Jackets memorabilia, while Thaisa, Misty, and Natalie all seek out best friends, both old and new. For those of you keeping the stat book, Lottie Matthews comes in off the bench. Yes, she sure does. Oh my goodness. And what a first episode yeah. this was. Um, of course, Emily, we both received our friends, Romans, countrymen letters in the mail from Showtime and are hoping that we receive one weekly, which would be a fun little citizen detective yeah. activity and decoding the symbols because everyone knows we love decoding things, right? Yeah. And like, I thought that those items in that in that picture that they sent us were like all clues as to what was going to happen. But now that I look at them, like, okay, I know what the grill meant and I know what the rope meant, but where does the lipstick come into play? Right. From what we've seen and heard, it's supposed to be Shauna applying the makeup to Jackie, which we have not seen yet. We of course did see Shauna in the meat shed talking to dead ass Jackie. Um, we did see her eating Jackie's ear uh, we saw a lot of things in this first episode, and, and we're going to break them all down. So uh, first, let us open with another Would You Rather. I think this is a fun activity we can do every week. We, of course, did it on our Hive Hangout with some of the fans. Uh, Emily, are you ready? Absolutely. Okay. Would you rather be a part of Lottie's cult slash wellness group or be Shauna's daughter? Oh, man. That's a hard one. Um. I think I'd say Lottie's cult <laughs> just because like we've seen like Shauna doesn't seem like she's capable of like being like a nurturing kind of a mother like she doesn't have that that softness to her that like you see a lot of moms have and like their relationship Callie and Shauna it's so contentious and like there's so much like tension between them and they don't have a good base relationship so and with Lottie's cult like I could always leave <laughs> I mean you hope you could always leave it it, yeah. it seems like more of maybe like a fun wellness weekend week-long retreat in the mountains some self-healing yeah. although we, we of course hear Nat in the preview for next week saying you know you are locked up 
doing finger painting for 25 years and now you're running a cult. So clearly other people might see it as a cult too, but good to know that you would rather be a part of Lottie's group than be Shauna's daughter. (laughs) Don't blame you. And uh, I can't wait to cover Shauna and Callie's relationship in an episode with your mom. That is going to be a lot of fun. I cannot wait for that. And she'll give us some, um, some in, she's a pharmacist too, so we'll talk a little bit about Lottie and like Lottie's medication, so she can give us like the scoop on on all that stuff. Excellent, cannot wait. So before we dive into deconstructing each of the timelines, we should go over some of the questions that we had answered. A few long running questions. One of them was Jackie's diaries. So Emily, explain the answer that we got to who was writing in Jackie's diaries after Jackie died. So when the episode opens up, we see Shauna in the meat shed and she's imagining herself having a conversation with Jackie, even though Jackie's dead. And when you first see it, it looks like she's having a conversation with her while she's alive. And then very quickly, it shows you the real image of her sitting there next to her dead body talking to her. And while she's talking to her, she's imagining them playing a game of MASH. And that really stuck out to me because when in season one, when Shauna goes to the tailors for that brunch and she picks up the journal in Jackie's room that we all saw, it she and she opens it, she opens it to a to a page that shows a MASH game. So that right there shows that that was the beginning of Shauna making entries in this diary as Jackie. As some like twisted, messed up way to cope with the fact that she's dead. And what I want to know now is how did Jackie's parents get that diary? Like, did she give it to them when they came back? And if she did, like, did she pass it off as the fact that Jackie was the one that wrote it? Like, or did she tell them the truth? And like, did they tell the truth about how Jackie actually died too? Like, that's another thing I want to know. That is all very interesting. We know that Shauna and Jeff have an annual brunch over at the Taylor's house and how awkward that must be her sitting there eating while in her mind, she's thinking, gosh, remember that time I ate Jackie's ear? (laughs) I mean, you know, we should say though, it's very, it's very sad. I mean, it shows a real regression in her character. It shows the level of of darkness and trauma that we're probably Mm going to see this season. I think the writers and creators are doing a great job of setting that stage. We've heard a lot about this season being very dark, very um, a wild ride. So I think this first episode did a good job in setting that stage and starting with the Jackie thing and the Jackie jump scare. Some people knew it was coming because one of the social media accounts had leaked a scene of it, but I think we were all still scared and also equally happy to see Ella back filming, right? Yeah. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it was a small amount. She was the perfect Jackie. Like she nailed that role and she's a great actress. So yeah, it was, it was nice to see her. And I don't think we've seen the last of her either. Like there's definitely more Jackie coming. I wonder how much we are going to see her this season. How many meat shed scenes are there going to be? We do see in the preview that Ty is calling Shauna out for what she's been doing Jack with Jackie in the meat shed. So at some point, do the girls decide, you know, we better eat her because if not, we're going to have Shauna losing her mind even more out in that meat shed. So yeah. I think there's going to be a lot to unpack with the Jackie ghost um, 
you know, ear scenario there. So, and we like talked about this a little bit on the after show, like Mari is the one when Shauna's out there to make the comment, like, seriously, like, are we not going to talk about how she's out in the meat shed with dead ass Jackie? Like she's the one to like be like, give the harsh truth about it. And like Lottie tells her that she needs to stop. And coach says like, Oh, well, clearly like she, like her way of coping is different than other people's way of coping like they're like making excuses for her behavior even though they know it's not normal right and, and i mean is there a right and a wrong way to cope with this trauma out there is the real yeah. question because it's a situation that hardly any people in life are ever in and yeah. i think we also need to give them some credit for not completely losing their minds yet i mean it's yeah. probably coming of course but uh so getting that answer to who wrote in jackie's diaries was was good it's good yeah. to have answers another answer that we had was the adults wearing the masks in the adult timeline they are not yellow jackets as adults they are members of lottie's wellness group yeah. So I think that was good. We all suspected it because obviously those masks, the quality of construction could not have been made out in the wilderness. No. Like no way. No. And so. it see like after seeing it in the episode, like and seeing Lottie as an adult, like it was very fitting for them to be wearing those masks. Like the cult. Like she's yes. like fully taken over this role of like wellness guru like let me help you help yourself and in some weird way like that burying that man alive was supposed to be some kind of like rebirth for him like I wonder if they'll ever explain like why these people are wearing these masks like what each mask means like why is there an owl why is there a bird why is there because those are all things that we've seen in the teen timeline too so. And interestingly, we see this dog mask that just looks so much like Biscuit. Yeah. How on earth could a Biscuit mask be there if Ty and Lottie were not in contact? Yep, that's so true. I just, I feel like Ty must have some connection to this. I mean, she had Jessica Roberts investigating for her. Yeah. I would not be surprised if if Ty and Lottie were you know, somehow connected. Uh, another Ty is like communicating with Lottie, like as the bad one. So like, she doesn't remember doing it when she's like in her right state of mind. That is true. And in the preview that we're going to touch upon for next week, a little bit later, uh, we see, you know, Simone addressing Ty and saying, you know, you're really sick. So we can clearly see Ty unraveling. Oh, another question we got answered in this episode was about what we were speculating as a secondary shelter. We had seen something constructed with an airplane door on it and thought, could this be an underground mine they're reinforcing with the airplane door? Could it be a secondary shelter? Well, now we know it is the meat shed housing deadass Jackie. Yeah. I think they did that to like make it so that like her body would be protected from like animals and stuff because they obviously want to protect their food source too because food is so scarce out there. Like they managed to make that bear last them two months, which I'm really surprised they managed to make it last that long given how many people there are. Like there's supposed to be like over 15 of them. So Think about like if they're eating three meals a day, like that's not going to go very far. Oh, not far at all. And and that makes us kind of see further into maybe why Shauna did actually eat that ear, you know, yeah. as a combination of the starvation of her state of mind, 
weird pregnancy craving, perhaps. I don't know. We talked about this. I crave things like caprese and horseradish on everything when I was pregnant, but I never craved human ear. No, no I can't say I did either. Not once. <laughs> um, the other question we had answered was Javi is still missing. He has not been yeah. found. He is also not Adam, as we've known for a long time. I always like to throw that in there. Um, we did run a poll on Twitter and it's neck and neck, but Javi is a popsicle is winning <laughs> with 46.7% versus Javi is alive at 45.9%. So most people think Javi is dead. I think that could be true. It's really hard to speculate on, yeah. but we see Nat kind of bending down and looking at that moss in that tree stump. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that is foreshadowing something. Is she just looking at it because the marvel of nature and moss is amazing. It can photosynthesize itself even when it's um, down below the surface and it can it can grow in icy circumstances. But I just wonder if it's speculating that maybe there is an underground area where Javi is and maybe that meltage had something to yeah. do with it. Maybe that's crazy. I don't know. But why else would they pause and have her inspecting yeah. that moss? Yeah. Because like Travis didn't think anything of it. Like he was telling her like, come on, let's go. But like it stuck out to her. And since it stuck out to her, I feel like it was supposed to stick out to us too. Yes. Yeah. I completely agree with that. And I just, I feel really bad for Travis. I do hope they find Javi. If they do, it's got to be that he either went back to the wreckage and was able to seek shelter. I don't know that he'd be able to stay there for that long, though, and I'm sure yeah. they've already checked it by now. Yeah. Or perhaps there is another group out there. The series has teased they were not alone out there, and that yeah. could go either way. It could be a supernatural something, or it could be there's another faction out there. Um Travis is like still really holding on to hope too that his brother is alive and like we saw that like facilitated through Lottie as well because like we saw Travis have a panic attack and she calms him down by like helping him breathe and like at the end of it like she tells him like your brother's alive and that really really upset Natalie a lot because Natalie's thinking about this like practically like logically like he's been out there for two months by himself in the cold like chances of him making it are very slim and to give him that hope like she feels like is wrong because she doesn't she just doesn't think it's the truth and Lottie says something like there's no such thing as false hope there's only hope or something like that. So it's so like you can already see the differences between the two of them and like how they're going to butt heads this season, Natalie and Lottie. Right. And it does seem like Travis kind of goes back and forth a little between the two. We did see uh, Travis's character. You know, he had a, a boner when uh, yeah. Lottie was was doing this thing. So. Um, I mean, gosh, it must be hard to not have like boners though around all these girls, right? Like, yeah. I mean, let's just be honest here, but also kind of an awkward situation during like a panic attack. So I read, does that, like, I read that like some people can be like sexually aroused during a panic attack and like, it's just like a side effect. So hmm. I don't think that like, it's an I attraction think, necessarily. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I can see that. Um, but Seeing Travis buying into all the Lottie stuff, I think, was was fascinating. Of course, we yeah. did have a chance to talk with Kevin Alves about his character journey, how he's kind of unlikable, and what season two has in store for him. So if you've not watched that, um, watch our Kevin Alves interview at yellowjacketshive.com. 
I've said it before, like that. I don't understand all the hate that Travis gets in the fandom. Like, I think he's a great character. I think he's a very accurate representation of what a teenage boy was like during that time period. And I don't think that like, he's a bigger douchebag than like other kids were at that time. Like, think about the situation that he's in. Like, obviously he's going to like, and he said in our interview that like, if you notice, like Travis doesn't speak up a lot, like within the group because he doesn't feel comfortable within the group. Like Mm -hmm. he's out of his element. So like if I were out of my element, I might not be the nicest person either. Absolutely. And And like your dad just died. Like, and you watched his body like fall from a tree and like, that's so traumatic to watch all of that happen. Like right in front of your eyes, like, Oh my God. To lose your parent and like actually see it happen too. Like that's messed up. Oh, it's terrible. And then to go back for the ring and then now to have Javi missing, that's a lot for for yeah. Travis to deal with. And uh, I like that we saw so much of Travis in this first episode. And I'm also hoping we get more answers to what happens in between the rescue and in between Travis's death. Was yeah. he in contact with Lottie? Was he employed by the cult? Where is the cult located? Was it near Willow Brick Ranch? There's a lot of different areas that we'll hopefully be able to explore and have more questions answered this season. Yeah. So with that, why don't we dive into an assessment of the teen timeline? Uh, We'll kind of go through some of the important scenes, talk a little bit about them. Uh, Let's start with the um, episode. We talked a little bit about this, opening up with Nat and Travis searching for Javi and Lottie Mm -hmm. doing a blessing to keep them safe. Yeah. What what was your take on, on Lottie performing this ritual for them? I like I wish we would have seen what happened in between Jackie's death and like that scene because like I want to see the progression of how Lottie like got into doing this like weird ritual with them like where did she pick this up like did she just invent it on her own or like was it taught to her I don't know like so it it definitely and like Natalie says something like this Wicca bullshit isn't doing us any good. And Mm -hmm. that's really what it reminded me of too. Like something like a Wiccan ceremony. I don't know a lot about Wicca, but like the, like she was clearly like blessing them or protecting them with that herb that she lit on fire or whatever she had. It must have been sage. I feel like sage is, is that type of thing. And it looked like it, like a stick of sage maybe. And the whole like slicing her finger and dripping the blood in the cup and like having them drink from it like that's all very ritualistic and like it's very clear from like a very early point that like Lottie really leans into all this like real ritualistic behavior and it's coming from her like that's very clear it's interesting to know if she had any history of Wicca before she got to the wilderness. We speculated a little bit. We showed some images of Wiccan symbols when we did our symbol dissection episode. So we do encourage you to also go back and watch our symbol episode because we dove into a few different theories, um, including uh, Wicca. We talked about Nordic symbols. We talked about some um, indigenous people symbology. Lots of fun stuff there. So definitely go check it out. But it is interesting. Like, where did it come from? Did she just yeah. have this within her? Did she have some Wicca friends back home? I mean, we just don't know. Um, it was and then also really interesting that like when they left, she drew the symbol on the window like immediately. Like so, to me, like 
we don't know what it means yet, but like she's obviously given it some kind of meaning. And to me, like it looked like she was like trying to protect them, like using it as some kind of protection. Right. Absolutely. And hopefully we'll have more answers on the symbol this season as well. What I loved, speaking of the symbol, was the promo poster they put out with the cast aligned in a way that that uh, lays out the symbol. And, you know, you had mentioned, too, that there was a queen of hearts in there somewhere. We did see in the new show open they were burning a queen playing card. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting they're infusing some of that in there, too. Yeah, it's right next to Van's head. Like you can't really see it in this picture because it's so it's a small. small. But yeah. yeah, it's right next to Van's head. And yes, I don't like. Can you tell at the bottom? Like that's a pair of antlers, like turned on its side to make a hook. Yes, it sure is. Oh my yeah. goodness, this is so fascinating. Again, mm-hmm. I just love all of the creative marketing that the Showtime team at Yellow Jackets does. They yeah. just nail it from top to bottom from the MTV stuff that we've mentioned, that Kurt Loder uh, interview with a very nostalgic 90s feel to putting the challenge on TV on the Yellow Jackets episode from a product placement standpoint and these different uh, affiliate partnerships. I just think they do such a great job. My right? husband was watching TV the, the other day and that um, MTV commercial for Yellow Jackets came on and he got so confused. He was like, what's going on? Like, why is Yellow Jackets on MTV right now? <laughs> it's so much fun. And I personally love the challenge. I yeah. think that's a great show. I've watched it for a long time. I, I watch the newer one now and it is, uh, it's, it's just cool to see it on there. So I think that's I a really think smart I read that um, Ashley Lyle is like really into the challenge. So that's why they put that in there. Yes, yes, that makes sense. Yeah. I I love that. So, um, continuing the teen timeline, um, again, we don't see Javi, but something we do see that I don't know any of us expected this early on was the 1998 timeline. Um, here we are seeing a photo of Misty smiling with the press and. Quick photo credit, uh, that is Vine's Cabin on Twitter, number one random Misty News reporter. We love you, Vine. Thank you so much for this. Emily, what's up with that smile on her face? She, like, she to me, it looks like she is so excited for any form of attention, like negative or positive. Like, like even though that like this attention could be perceived as negative to a normal person, like Misty doesn't perceive it as negative because it's attention and that's all she wants. Like any attention to her is positive. Like, so she is like living for the fact that like they're about to be like front page news. And then meanwhile, we see Lottie with that scream that we've seen a couple of times now. She's screaming as she's getting on the airplane and then we kind of get more context into her institutionalization and what mm-hmm. happens there. But talk about polar opposites. Yeah. MFQs, they're all smiling, happy. Lottie, poor Lottie, is screaming. And little does she know she's about to get electroshock therapy shortly yeah. after. So, so yikes. But I was not expecting to see any of this rescue footage or a third no. timeline. That was a delightful surprise for me. Maybe one of the most delightful. And I'm curious to see how much of it we're going to see. And yeah. is it a flash forward from one of the teens remembering? Or is it a flash back from one of the adults remembering? That's something, question. you know, w- the perspective of, of how it's presented. Or maybe it's just yeah. a standalone timeline and it has nothing to do with flash 
dreams or flashbacks. You can very clearly see Shauna in that scene too. And like, she's obviously not pregnant anymore and she's not carrying a baby. So um, like that is another clue that makes me think the baby doesn't survive. Somebody said something like, oh, well, they could have taken the baby to the hospital right away. Um, so that would explain why the baby wasn't with them. But like I've said, like, there's no way that if they came out of the woods with a baby, that that baby wouldn't have been on the front page of every magazine. Like, there's no way that they would have been able to keep that a secret. No, it would have been like, I don't know if you remember, but I remember growing up baby Jessica in the well. Yeah. Like, I just remember the headlines. I remember it happening. I remember I might, I might have been like eight or 10 years old and just being really sad about that you know that yeah. she was in the well i believe they rescued her and, and mm -hmm. she was fine but it would have been like you know the baby jessica in the well it would have been the the wilderness baby or yeah. whatever and we don't know how early the cannibalism thing gets out to the news either so yep uh, you know that will be interesting to find out when those cannibalism rumors start are they just yeah. rumors or does somebody leak them and how they start, like, who starts them? Because, like, from everything we've seen so far that, like, we know what the girls have said to the public. Like, they never gave any indication that they did anything like that. Like, they were very tight-lipped and had a statement and, like, they didn't go past that. They right. said that, like, they wanted their privacy and people should respect that. So, yeah, like, it had to have been started by someone else. and. Yep. That's not like an unrealistic rumor when you think about somebody being stranded in the middle of nowhere for almost two years with like limited food source. Like you do what you have to do to survive. I don't think anybody could blame them. I certainly yeah. wouldn't blame any survivors in any situation for no. doing what they have to do to survive. It just no. is what it is in that situation. Absolutely. So the next thing we see in the teen timeline, we already kind of touched on this, but Shauna spending time with Deadass Jackie out in the meat shed. Of course, you know, she's writing in the journal. She's talking to Jackie as if she were alive. We know she is absolutely not alive. Um, and then, of course, you know, Shauna pushes Jackie and her ear falls off and she oh, pu puts I it into her pocket. at that part. Like, I've like full body cringed when when Jackie's body fell over. Like, that was that was awful. Yeah. And, and pocketing the ear. I mean, it was it was just creepy. I was not expecting to see this level of creepiness. And no. as as we've seen in interviews, you know, they say if you're doing this right, cannibalism is like the least shocking thing that's going to happen this season. So right. that makes me think if we're opening episode one by eating an ear, what the heck is going to be going on by like episode five? I mean, yeah. and we've already heard episode two is crazy. So I know I cannot wait for Friday. Like, oh my god i'm so excited yes uh next up in the teen timeline we meet our new jackets the jv girls the red shirt girls we have who do who do we have here emily we have um jen and crystal and there's another one that's not in this picture melissa there she is yep jen yeah, crystal and JV melissa girls. Yes. And we will be speaking with uh, both Nuha, who plays Crystal, 
and with uh, Jenna Burgess, who plays Melissa later in the season. So we're excited for that. And I feel like the reception of the JV girls being new characters was a mixed bag with fans, right? I yeah. I think it's kind of split. A lot of fans were like, who are these girls? Why did we never see them before? Even though, you know, we've very clearly seen them in the background. Yeah. Uh, and then a lot of people are excited. Now we have new characters. Now we have a likely contender for Pit Girl, even though I think Pit Girl is Mari, personally. Yeah. Um, and if they're going to kill other people, like if they're going to kill other people while they're out there, like if they kill more than one person, like more than one girl, if Pit Girl's not the only one, like we need a bigger pool of people to choose from, like, because we know certain people survive at this point already. So who, like, who could be the people that die? Like we need more people. And right. I have a feeling that at least Crystal, I don't think things are going to end well for her. I don't think so either. It's been teased that Crystal and Misty will be friends. Uh, Crystal, of course, is very much into singing, humming, show tunes. And I think Misty, when they have their interaction, really feels like someone sees her finally and yeah. she sees the potential for a friend. And this could also be where Misty gets her love of show tunes from, from Crystal and maybe has some potential guilt for, for killing her. I don't know. Maybe Misty kills her. Maybe she ends up being pit girl i don't think so because i don't think her no, hair is long enough so. i i think it's probably mari and um and then of course you know jen is rabies girl i don't have that photo right now but we've seen that image of her foaming at the mouth so mm -hmm. maybe she passes in a different way perhaps rabies. yeah i think like if she does have rabies and that's why she is foaming at the mouth like i think at that point it will be fatal for her. So like, I think she ends up dying if she has rabies. Absolutely. And we see right before Misty meets Crystal outside and they have their first interaction, you know, Misty's over there cooking and they're kind of giving her a hard time. And she says, I'm not going to poison you guys again. I don't know that I would believe MFQ or let her anywhere near the food, but she seems to be really sad. And, yeah. you know, they talked about freezing out a teammate. It's Misty. Obviously, they're trying yeah. to freeze out. So, I mean, I kind of feel bad for her in a way. Um, kind of do, kind of don't. It was so funny when, when Crystal, like, approached her outside because, like, somebody brought this up last night on the live that, like, Misty swore. And, like, we've never heard Misty swear before. Like, she tells her to shut the fuck up. And it was so funny. But, like, as soon as Crystal said, like, we can harmonize, like, you could see the look in her eyes, like, instantly change. And, like, she was like, oh, my gosh, this girl wants to be my friend. Like, oh my now God. my life is made. Like, I have a friend. Oh I can't wait goodness. to see their friendship. Like, I feel like that is going to be a really good part of the show. Oh, my goodness. It is sure going to be. Ugh, I hope Crystal makes it out of the season, but I kind of don't think so. No. Um, we also see Nat and Coach Ben looking at a mm -hmm. map that they're constructing. And it sounds like they suspect they've managed to go seven miles in either direction. And yeah. something you mentioned was how big was the search area, Emily? It was over 600 miles which is like insane to think about and going seven miles in every direction like that's covering nothing like in the grand scheme of things it does not make much of a dent and no. something interesting with that map i'm trying to find the photo here of the um papers that were laid out 
actually, I guess maybe I deleted that photo. But in the new preview, there's a photo. Oh, actually, I do have it. I lied. So there's a, a photo of all these different pieces of paper laid out with um, sticks in what appears to be making laying the symbol over these papers. Now, mm -hmm. these ones might not necessarily look like maps, but is it possible that it is a map and they're laying the symbol out to see if there's some kind of destination at the end of each point or is this Shauna's journals laid out hmm. or notes that somebody wrote laid out with the symbol over it I just don't know what they would be doing and is this something we actually see or is it just an image they kind of threw into the open because this is what that close-up of their fingers on the actual map looks like so yeah. mm, hard to say to say i think it's tied to the map that they're making like i think that that might be a picture of like all the papers like all together i don't know why like we would be able to see the symbol but like maybe like you said like there's something like with each point at the like for the symbol that has to do with like their location and like maybe it could help find them i have no idea we talked about sextants as a form mm. of measurement for more nautical situations but in our symbol episode so that might be something maybe mm -hmm. it's tied into the sextant theory or yeah. it has to do with mapping somehow i'm i'm not sure but i i thought that was just an interesting image to see mm -hmm. Um, back to the teen timeline, uh, Travis has that panic attack that we mentioned. Lottie helps snap him out of it. We see that he gets a boner. He talked about that in terms of sometimes in an anxiety attack, you can be um, sexually aroused. So again, yeah. crazy what the body can do. Mm -hmm. Um, and when Lottie touches him to kind of snap him out of that panic attack, what are the visuals we see? Cause this is kind of interesting. He sees, like, a bunch of flashing images of that tree stump that, like, she puts the heart in at the end of season one. And, like, in one image, like, it's all surrounded by candles. In another, like, it's, like, this, like, ethereal light is, like, shining down on it from, like, above. It's just all different images of this tree stump, which, like, I thought was so weird. Like, they're obviously this tree stump is significant like we already know it's significant because of what Lottie did but like it's clearly important for other reasons too right now do you think that was the same tree stump that Nat saw with the moss growing out of it or do you think that was a different tree stump I feel like it could be but like when we see Natalie approach that tree stump like it doesn't look like it's in the same area right and it's kind of going uphill a little yeah. bit so yeah. yeah that that might not be the same thing yeah um the last image we see in the teen timeline and I should say the last sound we hear in the teen oh. timeline is that chomp that crisp biting of Shauna eating Jackie's ear now friends romans countrymen you know lend me your ear we kind of see where that where that tie-in is now but mm -hmm. i mean if this is the least alarming thing shauna does this season i'm gonna hate to see what the most alarming thing she does this yeah. season is does yeah. she end up bringing the meat tray in with pieces of jackie on it and feed it to them without them knowing she's in charge of the rations which might not be very smart. I feel like, hey, no. Emily, would you rather have Shauna or Misty in charge of the food? Oh, gosh. I think I would have to say Misty. <sighs> yes. At this point, like, because you're not worried Misty's going to feed you a person. You're worried Misty's going to poison you. <laughs> right, right. And 
You know, another uh, photo we see in the season two preview is of them devouring some kind of meat and blood. We'll show that in a minute when we get into it. But that was the final image we saw in the teen timeline. And that noise, that crunch, that really did it for me. I when mean, he was looking at that ear, like I was just sitting there, like screaming at my TV, like, no, please, Shauna, do not do what I think you're about to do. <laughs> Right. And I mean, how is it so crispy? Like she didn't bake it. It was raw. In my opinion, it would be like chewy and and, and tough, but instead it was crunchy like a cracker, which I don't know. I just, I didn't see that. But I, you know, in a way it's like Shauna wants to keep Jackie as part of her forever. And by ingesting her, she's also becoming part of the baby since the baby is fed through the placenta. So in essence, the baby is also part Jackie, which is really kind of twisted given that Jackie's boyfriend is the one that fathered the child. So it's, again, this regression of Shauna, the trauma, the emotional state. Something we would love to do this season is get on with a mental health professional and really talk about the depictions of this regression, this trauma, and how well the showrunners do at really making us feel that trauma. So if you are a licensed mental health professional, please do reach out to us, yellowjacketshive at gmail.com. We would love to chat with you. I think friend of the podcast, Danielle, might be. I don't know if she'd be interested in talking to us. But anyway, that would be a really good uh, thematic episode. So we would love to do that. Um, Okay, on to the adult timeline. We're going to go through some highlights. We open and we get a lot of adult Lottie. We see her at her wellness retreat. What are a couple words you'd use to describe the feeling of of the cult that we're seeing? Um, like, I don't know how to, like, phrase this as, like, one word, but, like, in tune with nature. Like, it seems like nature factors very heavily into a lot of what they do. Like, they do a lot of things outside as we see them, like, bury that man at the end of the episode. Um, So like in tune with nature for sure um they're drinking the kool-aid that she's providing because like she when she starts talking like what she's saying isn't even really making a lot of sense but like they're all sitting there like shaking their heads like yes like we believe everything you say like absolutely and some I can't remember where I saw this but somebody pointed out that like Lottie wears a Rolex on her wrist So, like, yes, she's, like, in tune with nature, but she also has a taste for the finer things in life, which, like, goes to show that if you want to participate in her retreat, it's going to cost you a pretty penny to do so. Right. I mean, she's making some money off of it, right? And we know Lottie's family comes from money. We know they're they were able to charter a private plane. We know they were able to send her to Switzerland for electroshock therapy, which we didn't mention. We did see that glimpse of her in 1998 getting the electroshock therapy as well. And then her in the institution starting to heal other people with her roommate. So we know she comes from money. So, I mean, it's not shocking, but I wonder if, if her dad's money helped her finance this in some way or who helped her get this off the ground who thought it was a good idea to finance her and unless like if if they did all get settlements like from the crash Mm -hmm. then maybe she used her settlement money to do it right you know what that makes sense that makes sense because otherwise how how are you going to get access to do that unless it's your dad's money so that's a really good point i would imagine that that airline or whoever probably paid them out something yeah 
I, sure. I, I would definitely hope. So another thing we see in the adult timeline is Misty doing that pretend interrogation of Shauna. Uh, of course, we love to see that she baked a cookie cake and it says, I want my lawyer on it. Thank you, Vine. Uh, Miss WandaVision 15 for this one. Um, the cookie cake that says, I want my lawyer. Um, I think that's really funny. Um, it was a little bit of comedy that we needed I think in this episode and you know Sean is having a hard time keeping it together and not falling apart under pressure so it was so funny when Misty was like using that voice changer and she's like so how was the sex was it mind-blowing or was it just like really hot oh my god she <laughs> is so funny her and all of her weird turn-ons etc um so Something that was kind of funny is we see Misty actually looking on the web under something that looks like Reddit under a citizen yeah. detectives community. And I don't know if you noticed, but there was a pop-up ad for a book club on there, which mm -hmm. I thought was funny. I noticed that on Twitter. And we hear Elijah Wood's voice talking about Adam's disappearance on there. So yep. that's the first hint of Citizen Detective Walter we get. We do see an image of him in the preview for next week. So I think mm -hmm. we get to see Elijah Wood in episode two, which is exciting. So Seems like they're going to get introduced at Misty's work at the care mm -hmm. facility based on, yeah. on what we've been seeing. Um, Misty stops by the motel that Nat was staying at and um, realized, you know, using her citizen detective skills that, um, Nat was not taken, um, on, on her own. She was forced to leave yeah. and she has a pretty funny line. Let me just pull that up here. When she's describing Nat to the motel owner, what does she say, Emily? Brunette, stunning. Looks like she'd stab you. <laughs> I mean, if there was a better description of Nat, I couldn't think of it. Brunette Stunning looks like she'd stab you. I think she yeah. nailed it on the head there. And this brings us to our Misty moment of the week. We're going to do this. We both love MFQ. We think she is such an interesting, deranged, amazing character. Um, Emily, do you want to read the quote that she says to the motel owner? Yes. Let me find it. Where is it? Here Towards it is. Okay. And some of those things can be worse than others, depending on our choices. Larry Frankowski, 65 Union Street, Apartment 2B. Remind me, Larry, is your social security number 13800-2671? Or is it? No, I'm pretty sure that's it. Oh, my God. Look at Misty making threats. You know, I don't like people who make threats, Emily. Do you? I do like MFQ, but I don't like it when people threaten things for no reason. I mean, yeah. like, the guy's not behind her disappearance. Like... Come on, people. Can we can we just get along? Can we all just get along? But aside from that, I think that was a really great Misty quote. And I love so the, MFQ. Like, so MFQ. The fact that she knows his social security number is only something that Misty would know. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And and she comes to deduce that, you know, the motel owner told her that Nat left on her own in the middle of the night. But Misty, when she inspects the door jam and could tell that it was broken and the door was forced open, yeah. of course, now realizes, oh, crap, my bestie has been taken. So. Mm -hmm. Whew, so that's uh, that is that is happening, and we can imagine Misty and Walter are going to team up to go find Nat. So I cannot wait for all of that judging, to play out. Judging by that post that Walter made about Adam, though, I think that Adam's going to factor into like Walter's storyline too, because he obviously has been looking into Adam's death. So yes. 
I think what's going to happen is like he's going to team up with Misty to find Natalie, but like he might uncover things about Adam that Misty realizes. And in order to protect them, like she has to do something about it. Right. And we know Elijah Wood's character has a one season arc. I would imagine that he probably dies at the hands of MFQ or another one of the Yellow Jackets when they realize that he's a threat. And it could be that Misty and him are involved as a love interest in it. It shakes Misty to the core because she finally like has someone that's into her. They have similar interests, et cetera. And then, you know, Nat or Ty or whoever goes and kills him because they're worried. I mean, Shauna is a likely contender, right? Since she actually did the murder and stabbed him. Maybe she stabs Walter too. Stabby Shauna. Yeah. Don't, Don't put it past her. Yeah. And she said to Jeff, like in this episode that like she likes being the way that she is. So like, I don't even know if she like feels bad about what she did. Like, yeah, do you think she feels bad. I don't think she has the capacity to feel bad. I think she's just so emotionally shut yeah. down and traumatized that her capacity for feeling any deep emotion besides anger or anxiety or something, those are her comfort emotions. I don't yeah. think she has it in her. You know, you mentioned her as a mom as well. She doesn't have that nurturing vibe about her. So yeah. I don't know that she has the capacity to even feel bad. I don't think she even feels bad or guilty about Adam's murder. I think she feels bad yeah. that she's going to get caught, you know, and yeah. and that's how a lot of <clears throat> criminals are, um, mm-hmm. you know, so yikes. Uh, speaking of Adam, we do see Shauna and Jeff go to uh, Adam's art studio. And really quick about Jeff, that line about the chicken nuggets, chicken McNuggets, uh, when Shauna calls the furniture store because he's selling six pieces all day. Like, Jeff... I love him. I'm ride or die Jeff. He's grown on me so much since yeah. the first season. And he is this comic relief in some parts and other parts like the Papa Roach scene. You know, we see him kind of spiraling out. But yeah, I just thought that McNuggets quote was really cute. But anyway, it seems like Adam was obsessed with Shauna given the amount of paintings and Shauna had an inkling of it. Like she could tell that they need to go there. First yeah. of all, though, how have the cops not searched this place? Yeah, that's yeah. a really good question. And you know it- because if they did and they saw all that artwork of Shauna, like obviously they're gonna be like, who is this woman? And they're gonna find out. Like it was it was smart of her to like deface the paintings while they were there to make it so that like people couldn't tell who it was. But like the sheer amount of artwork that he had, like that was geared towards her in particular, like that was intense. Like that's That's more than just, like, having a fling with somebody. Like, that's, like, obsession level. And how could he have had time in the short span they were seeing each other to create all of that art? It's almost like he was stalking her ahead of time and had had her in mind. I mean, he was, like, a stalker, like, in you or something, you know? Um, So I I think that's crazy. But also the amount of DNA that they left in that studio. They did not wear gloves. They had sex. Um... Yeah, Yeah. they did pour the paint over the paintings, but I feel like with forensics these days, you can probably do some kind of analysis. I mean, you know, I watch a lot of like CSI, criminal mind shows. I feel like they've got technology to look at what's underneath that. Like when they analyze paintings and stuff, like there's there's technology for that. So maybe that's how they end up going to Shauna's house and, you know, how Kevin Tan gets involved in the case. I was honestly really surprised when they went to the studio because like – since Adam lied about going to art school, like I thought that maybe there was a possibility that he wasn't even an artist at all. Same. So to see all those paintings, I was really surprised that like he actually was an artist. That yes, really shocked and, me. And 
why lie about the art school thing? I mean, you know, that's back in season one, yeah. but there's just so many things about Adam that are unsettling. And of course, the showrunners have said he's just a guy. He's not Javi. I'm still not sure I believe them. I feel like there could be more to him than just this torso and murder. Because again, yeah. why does he have all these pictures of Shauna? That was a red yeah. flag. And again, like Jeff goes along with this. He goes to the studio and is supporting Shauna in a murder of a dude that has all these paintings of her. What yeah. is going through Jeff's mind here? Yeah. Like oh. you could tell that like he was really conflicted by the fact that like what they found because like it like it obviously hurt him to know that Shauna had an affair. Like yes. that up that that got to him. And he's trying to move past it and like help her. But going to this place, like seeing all of this, like it just shows him like okay this guy was like really into my wife like more than just like we had sex a couple times like and like we talked about this a little bit last night like I feel like Shauna might want to like influence the way that Jeff is thinking about all of this so like that he doesn't feel bad about it because she doesn't want to hurt his feelings at the same time or have that like responsibility for being the reason why he's upset right it's like how Callie said first she was upset with her mom for keeping it a secret from Jeff yeah. and then she was even more upset for having told him and and putting him through that so it's it is almost like a no-win situation I mean their marriage yeah. is definitely having some problems but one thing we know is that Jeff has stood by Shauna this whole time he married her after the plane yep. crashed he knows things because he mm -hmm. read the journal so I mean, what a husband. You know what, yeah. Emily? Speaking of husbands really quick, I just wanted to point out how great your husband is. Nagy is amazing. He <laughs> constructed this altar for you before the premiere. The attention to detail here with the candles and the heart with the blood and the animal head, the top from our awesome crate Showtime sent us with our jackets, and then the doll with one eye. He wins husband of the year. I love that. And I just think it's so amazing. So you are yeah. one lucky girl. So yeah, it was I a just, nice surprise. Yeah, I just I just had to point that out. I think that's amazing. Credit where credit is due, right? <laughs> so another thing from the adult timeline is we see Nat in captivity with Lottie's cult and we meet a new character, Lisa, uh, played by Nicole Maines, who is a transgender actress. And I think it's awesome that they are incorporating a variety of new cast members and it was yeah. really cool to meet her she has kind of this like a little bit like kind of fuck you attitude like nat which makes me yeah. think that's why lottie chose lisa to yeah. oversee her as a prisoner and uh what happens in the course of her being a prisoner what does she do to lisa she manages to get her to unlock one of her hands so that she can eat and she like I'm assuming she like hides the fork that she was given and when she goes to lock her back up she jams that thing right through her hand right through it and then she takes off running into the woods yes she does and and then we get more context into the cult so we see again uh we see all of these cult members who are dancing around in the masks that we've seen before um we see some full frontal nudity i did not mm -hmm. show it here but uh this man who is the willing participant in this cult ritual pardon the quality of the photo um and 
again, we're not showing his penis, but they did show full frontal. We did see some yellow jackets dick here. <laughs> um, so this is happening. And then they they bury this man alive, which yeah. um, from what we've read is a cult ritual stemmed in rebirth. And it does seem like with her cult, it's a lot of inner introspection, self-healing, that yeah. sort of thing. I feel like we both watched Nine Perfect Strangers. Did they mm -hmm. do this activity in Nine Perfect Strangers where they buried them? Like, didn't they have a circle of all the bodies of holes, yeah. and, like, holes and and all the people had to lay in the holes as an activity, yeah. right? I just thought yeah. of this, right? Mm -hmm. So not the first time we've seen a cult do this type of thing on TV. Um, yeah. By the way, Nine Perfect Strangers, if you're into Yellow Jackets, it's it's probably a good watch. It's got Nicole Kidman, really good cast. It's got yeah. a lot of culty vibes to it. So anyway, we've seen that before. Now we're seeing it in Yellow Jackets. So we get more context of this cult. Um, we see Nat and Lottie have their first interaction. And what's really interesting is this happens right at the very end. We have another scene first. But Lottie tells Nat she has a message for her. And who is the message from, Emily? From Travis. It's from Travis. Oh, my goodness. Like, does this go back to the note? Tell Nat she was right? Yeah. What was Nat right about? Was she right about Lottie or something? Yeah. Ah, a message from Travis, which pays it off from the very beginning when we hear Lottie telling Travis that Javi is alive. I feel like there's this, this connection with Lottie and all of these different messages. And yeah. There's a scene we saw in one of the teasers with Lottie sitting in what looked like Travis's living room. So mm -hmm. is it possible they were married? Or maybe you've said this before, maybe Lottie and Javi were married, right? I've seen some like speculation that people think that um, Lisa might be Travis and Lottie's daughter. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that makes a lot more sense than it being the wilderness baby. Because again, I don't think she survives, but yeah, that could be. I mean, if you look at her, let me pull up that photo once again. Let's see. I mean, we know they do such an amazing job with casting and I wasn't looking for that. But I mean, oh my God, Emily, I can totally see that. Yeah. She is Lottie and Travis's love child. <laughs> wow. That would be wild. Wow. And what if Willowbrook Ranch was in fact where all of this was happening the whole time. Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay. That would be crazy. Yes. So as we're wrapping up the adult timeline here, we got confirmation of something with Ty. Emily, tell us about that. Mm, oh, Ty has no recollection of creating the altar in the basement because Simone approached, well, she goes to Sammy's school with a dog she brings him a new dog and Steve the dog yeah. shout out to Steve, the dog. He's so probably not going to make it this whole season, <laughs> but Simone runs up and tells him to like get away. And she's, I can't remember exactly what she says, but she says something like you need help. And if you don't get help, like I'm going to go to the press about all of this. And Thais is like, I have genuinely no idea what you're talking about right now. Like I'm so confused. And then we see a little bit later in the episode, she's in her basement and she realizes that that grate is open. She goes in there and she sees the altar and the little dog, Steve, like runs into the room where she is and she picks him up and she says something like, I'm going to do better with you. Like, this was a mistake. Like a mistake. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Ooh, so it, it's obviously apparent that like, 
when like she's doing plenty of things that she has no recollection of like hiding in the tree eating dirt like killing a dog like she's doing all of these things and she has no memory of it which is I can imagine like that would have to be really scary like to go through that and like know you're doing these things but don't remember doing them right I mean it's it's got to be taking a toll on her yeah and that that's kind of how the episode wraps up um we do see a preview for the next episode. We can go over a couple of those um, items. Actually, before we do that, let's just highlight some of the music in this episode. Um, we opened it with 17 from Sharon Van Etten, which was spot on. Yeah. We hear Drown from Smashing Pumpkins, another well-placed song. Second time we've heard Smashing Pumpkins in a Yellow Jackets mm-hmm. episode. Uh, the pilot also featured a song with Smashing Pumpkins. We hear A Night in Rio, Graham Francis DeWild. We hear Garbage, Number One Crush, which I absolutely love that song, and I thought that was well-placed too. Most notably in this episode was Papa Roach, Last Resort. We saw Jeff just losing his mind in the car, in the garage, spiraling over everything that's going on to Last Resort. Great choice of song. Yes. And Warren had never heard that song before. So that was interesting, too, Mm -hmm. that he was acting in this quintessential Jeff scene, not knowing that song before. But he nailed it. I personally liked seeing Jeff so much in here. I think there was a mixed bag with that. But I liked the Jeff. Um, Cornflake Girl, Tori Amos is how we closed it out when, you know, we saw the whole ear situation. That song is amazing. We know all of the Yellow Jackets are not Cornflake Girls. They are, in fact, Raisin Girls. So (laughs) I will stick with that. But I love that music. Um, I can't wait to see what the rest of the season soundtrack is going to be. They nail it. Like, they really nail it with the music. Absolutely. So... Episode two preview. Let's just go over a couple of the bullet points. Emily, we can each uh, read one at a time. So I'll start with uh, Nat. She is addressing Lottie saying, you were finger painting in a loony bin. Now you're running a cult. Yes. And they're just walking along. So she's not imprisoned anymore. Yeah. And then we see Simone. And I think in this part of the preview, they're in the car, right? Yeah. They are, yes. And she tells Taisa that she's very sick. And though, like, Thaisa looks at her really strangely when she says that, too. Like, it almost makes me think that it's the bad one that Simone is interacting with, and she doesn't realize it. The look in her eye was totally the evil Ty. I completely agree with that. And maybe they get in a car accident because Ty doesn't like what Simone is saying, because we do see Simone bandaged up on her head with some injuries and subsequent um, visuals from teasers. So. Mm -hmm goodness that'll be interesting uh, another thing that we see is kevin tan at shauna's asking uh shauna says are you here for official business and kevin says did you know adam martin so we are finally getting kevin tan back we are looking more into the adam mystery that torso totally going to come back to haunt them yeah and then we see uh, Ty, and she kind of, like, outs Shauna about her behavior with Jackie. She says something like, come on, Shauna, tell them what you've been up to with Jackie. And it cuts to Shauna looking, like, ashamed and, like, embarrassed. So, I like, I'm thinking either, like, because we know that she puts makeup on Jackie, like, maybe they discover that she did that. And they think that that's really disturbing. So they think like 
maybe we need to get rid of her body so that we can stop her from this behavior because it's unhealthy and she's not coping. I didn't expect to see Ty being the one calling her out, just given how close they are, how their friendship is in both the teen and adult timeline. So that was surprising for me that it wasn't somebody else calling her out, but it's telling. And, you know, it's probably all coming from a place of she really cares about Shauna and hates to see her like that. So, you know, that's probably part of it. Um, We do see Van running out of the cabin, maybe looking for Ty. Perhaps Ty untied the rope at night and she's out doing something again at night. That was what I gathered from that scene. Yeah, that's a good point. And then we get a glimpse of Elijah Wood at Misty's care facility. Yes, it seems like like he's like pushing someone in a wheelchair, right? It does. And I wonder if he actually knows somebody there or if he's just ultimate citizen detectiving and like posing as somebody bringing a person in so he can meet Misty. I I don't know how it all comes to be, but I can't wait to get answers on that one. That would be. Uh, We also see uh, Misty inspecting Caligula's cage with a flashlight. It does look like Caligula flew the coop. And Mm -hmm. this could be where we start seeing the human dressed as Caligula manifesting in a way similar to the show Wilfred with Elijah Wood. Uh, If you've seen that, you know what I'm talking about. If not, it's a little crazy. But um, yeah, so that will be interesting to see what happens with Caligula and who let Caligula out. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's it's going to be interesting to watch that because like Misty has nobody like that bird is like her only companion. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all right. What's the next image from the preview for the next episode? So then we see the girls eating like I'm assuming it's me I mean whatever it is like they all have blood all over their faces like which makes me think it's not Jackie because Jackie's been dead for a while so like there wouldn't be fresh blood like that if they were eating her like it just wouldn't look like that because she's been frozen like so a part of me thinks like I've seen uh speculation that like Shauna goes into labor and she has her baby, and they end up eating her placenta, which is oh. so gross. But it would explain why they're all bloody. I mean, that makes sense. Uh, placenta eating an encapsulation is not anything new. It's yeah. com- completely normal in, like, the natural birthing world. Yeah. Um, so it would make sense. I mean, that was the source of nutrients and sustenance for the baby for nine yeah. months or however long she carries it. So. That makes a lot of sense, Emily. I'm going with eating placenta. I yeah. I agree with that. Um, and the final thing we hear in that preview is uh, – oh, and hey, really quick, um, shout out to Ash Yellow Jacket Spoilers, uh, Sirens Turf No Men for this uh, image. They posted it on our Twitter. Thank you so much. We appreciate everybody in the fandom so much. Final thing we hear, Jackie Tashana you're hungry. And then we see Shauna touch her belly. So for me, that looks like Jackie giving Shauna permission to consume her further. Yes, I agree. Yep. That's alarming. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I hate to see Shauna unraveling like this. Again, trauma does crazy things to people. And it's really sad when we see people becoming so unhinged and doing things they may not normally do in their normal mental state. And Um, you know, I think that'll be a theme this season with the the overall sense of darkness that they're feeling yeah. out there in the the wilderness. So, whoo, goodness. Um, yeah. Oh, hey, one thing 
we talked about this in the after show, but this image for the season two preview of Lottie mm. finding the snow covered airplane for me, that was maybe one of the more interesting visuals in the yeah. new, um, the new show open. So go back and watch our hive after dark episode uh, the first one that we did from this episode so that way you can kind of see our breakdown of the new show open and those visuals we don't have time for it today here but there were some good ones in there we saw the man with no eyes we saw some people mm -hmm. in masks we saw a photo of the Sadekis. um so there was definitely some new stuff in there and i love when shows update their opens for new seasons i think that's a really easy way to yeah. keep it fresh keep the fans interested and we know the yellow jackets fandom is all very interested in everything that they're putting out there yes for sure yay well this was our recap of Yellow Jackets Season 2, Episode 1, Friends, Romans, and Countrymen. And Emily, what episode is coming up next week? Next week, we have Edible Complex, which I know we've talked about this so much. Like, all the cast has said, like, when they talked about Season 2, that, like, Episode 1 is good, but episode two like things just go off the rails and it is like completely and utterly bonkers so like her them eating Shauna's placenta like that would fit in with being bonkers so yeah it would and the the edible complex of course is a play on the oedipus complex which is a child who is sexually attracted to their mother which yeah. is fascinating and of course instead of oedipus they put edible so it'll be interesting to see the maternal representation or symbolism here does it have anything to do with eating the placenta uh does it have to do with further eating jackie i, I mean it could go in many different directions yeah. and i know we both cannot wait to see yeah i know i'm like well, not counting down the days. There's only a couple of days until Friday, but yeah, I'm super excited. I love that so much. I love that. We hope this episode recap helped. We encourage you to drop some comments, join the discussion, connect with us at yellowjacketshive.com. Thank you guys. Yes. Until we spill again.